0: You're listening to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's guest is an old friend of mine that constantly inspires me. We met a few years ago through photographing the 1975 after she moved to New York from her native Florida. Since then, she's gone on to not only tour with the 1975, but also the Japanese house, Pale Waves, and Louis Capaldi. Her name is Asia Morada, and she's one hell of a photographer. Along with beautifully capturing musicians, Asia has also become a prominent figure in the photo world, with her latest project, Come to My Window. It's a project which featured her photographing friends and family from the safety of their windows. And what started out as a solo project has evolved into an international collaboration with photographers from all over the world taking part. I really wanted to talk to Asia about this because, if I'm being honest, throughout the COVID pandemic, i found myself greatly uninspired by photography. And seeing her utilize social distancing with her creativity has really been an amazing thing to watch. My girlfriend and I were actually part of the project here in Brooklyn, and I still remember that day fondly. It's one of those experiences that's become a bright spot from this weird, dark time that we're living in, and I suspect that I'm not the only one who feels that way. I always love when I have an excuse to catch up with my friends, and trust me when I say, you're going to love this talk. We recorded this episode while Asia was in transit, and though you can't fully tell, you will hear a bit of wind within the first five minutes in the background. Though after those five minutes, the audio remains crystal clear. So do stick it out. This episode is truly something special. This is the new exchange with Asia Marauder Enjoy. What... A hell of a year we've had, huh? 2020. <laughs> um, you're in the middle of actually coming with, from Florida to back to New York. You're in transit right now. Thanks for still having the time to do this.
1: I have all the time in the world. <laughs> Especially on the road.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's something a lot of us could share with just like how these last few months have been. I mean... I was optimistic at the start that it wouldn't bleed into the summer, and now that I'm looking back on myself at, like, March and thinking, like, huh, summer child. Sweet summer child.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We're here. It's still happening, but, I mean, I don't know. I'm still very weary about all of it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to participate in life the way others are just yet. I want to want to sit through the second wave or the end of the first wave and see how it all plays out really
0: yeah that's how I'm feeling too like I honestly it's interesting with this like series that you're on right now I had like some hesitation of even starting it while we're in the midst of this whole COVID thing because I thought like oh I'll just wait for things to go back to normal but as the weeks went on it's like wow this is just what normal is now
1: yeah yeah and then oh, it's the readjusting to whatever normal was before this is going to be insane if we ever reach that point.
0: Yeah, one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you is when COVID hit, a lot of us photographers found ourselves uninspired and forcibly taking a break. But instead, you found yourself embarking on a project called Come to My Window, which saw you traveling across New York City and photographing your friends from afar. Why did you feel compelled to do this?
1: You know it's it's funny how you mentioned like you wanted to take a little break well I was kind of forced into taking a break uh before the project and before COVID um, in late February I was on tour uh with a band named Pale Waves and we were involved in a very serious tour bus crash in Sweden um, which set me back in a Big way mentally, and it was it was crazy because the day that the crash happened, it was kind of like the breaking of COVID in the states. And um, just as I'd gotten back from the accident, it was like regrouping and everything. More news was coming out about it. I started to realize that I mean, outside of the injuries that I'd incurred from the accident, I, you know, it didn't seem like I was really going to be able to pursue any kind of work outside of outside of that because of the pandemic and um, I knew it was just I just I had a really big gut feeling that it was going to be a lot bigger than what the media was portraying it as at the time and I felt so stifled from everything that had happened with the accident that I didn't want to continue forward being down on myself and, and losing motivation from from an injury or an accident, and especially a pandemic. So I, I figured like, I, this is the perfect opportunity for me to kind of pursue the photo series that I've been meaning to make for years. Because with my work, I I work in shooting music. And I guess that can be considered a photo series when you collate all the images I've shot of all the artists I've worked with. But I, I wanted to dedicate time to one specific set of photos that I, I curated myself, and I started uh, with a small idea, and yeah, it, it actually all kind of started with my dog. <laughs> um, my dog is notorious for sitting in in our window in our apartment, and every time we leave the apartment, we see him sitting up in the window waiting for us to come home. And we were coming home from the shops one day before uh, lockdown, and I thought to myself, it would be so cool to just capture people sitting in their windows. Because when I saw him sitting in the window, I just thought to myself, this is going to be him for a while. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't see, I can't see him getting to go on all these trips with us, like we usually take him everywhere with us and everything. But it emulated kind of. The situation we were all going to be in and, and what we're in now. And yeah, it, it just kind of evolved from there. And, and here we are.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's such an old saying, but talk about essentially taking uh, lemons and making lemonade, <laughs> like in the essence of a yeah. project.
1: that's exactly, I mean, that's like the biggest lesson my mom's ever taught me is just you gotta, you gotta work with what life gives you. And if you don't, and you know, you're not, you're not working toward making yourself happy. And I saw it as an opportunity and I saw it as an opportunity to really um, be able to stay in touch with people that I knew um, in, in a physical way, like to be able to be around them physically without endangering myself or endangering them. And to like also meet new people who could be struggling through this, who might be isolating alone. And there's a big mental health aspect with the pandemic that it seems to be overlooked very often and it'll be touched on in the media from time to time but I think the biggest um backlash that's going to come from this outside of the economic um, issues is the the mental health issues and yeah I, I just the project started off with just photographing my friends and like you and Sarah and You guys were like some of the first people I photographed, and it was so amazing. Like, you got your energy was awesome. And (laughs) I always wanted to keep that energy with my subjects. But then I also knew that there's a, a very different side to the story where there are people who are alone who can't be with their families because they don't want to risk infecting their families. And I wanted to touch on how those people are going through this in complete isolation.
0: And you did that beautifully. Before we go into the next set of questions, I want to touch on something you mentioned, and I feel it's so important. We've been friends for years now, and there's a lot of what I'd say shared ethos and ideas that we have. And I know one of them is the aspect of how, in this modern age, everything feels so fleeting. You mentioned before that, with your concert photos, that there's this feeling of everything being touch and go and accumulation of things, but it's actually very rare when we can focus on one singular thing. Like that's a rare thing to be able to do in this day and age.
1: Absolutely. I mean, especially with music photography, because it for a while music photography seemed kind of like it was rare. It was rare there. You know, photographers mostly specialized in editorial photos or, or, um, lifestyle photography or you know uh photojournalism in that that kind of sense and not that music photography wasn't a thing but it definitely wasn't as big of a thing as it is now and while I love it and I can't wait to hopefully one day soon get back to it it I find that I was maybe kind of losing touch with it a little bit and I'd always been meaning to step away and try a different type of photography in the sense of just go down a different avenue and I've always kind of dabbled with editorial and fashion photography but I wanted to find something that hit a bit harder for me and going like the street doc photojournalism route with come to my window seemed a bit more my speed at the time and and for right now as well.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think the best thing about it, and it's what I look at for my favorite artists and people I admire, is that you always want the output of art to feel genuine and to speak to, you know, both what's going on in the world and what you're dealing with. And, you know, it sounds like such an easy concept, but the way you've executed, the way you've showed there's so much um, diversity and authenticity that can be conveyed, it's really awesome, man.
1: Yeah, too kind to me Thank you You know i can't take a compliment and i think i say that all the time to you but thank you i I really appreciate
0: you oh well always man it's the truth i mean tell me this it's what did it feel like to i mean obviously the execution like that having the idea of the project is great but what was what did it feel like to actually execute it's actually be on the street and taking photos from afar with a long lens like what did it actually feel like to kind of have your brain work in a different way?
1: Well, it, I, I kind of went into it blindly. Like, there wasn't really much of a setup that I thought I'd need. I, I just figured, oh, you know, I'll just go out with a telephoto lens and a camera and see how it works. And it was a lot of trial and error in the beginning, um, like on my first day of shooting. Not to say that my first subjects were like test subjects, but essentially they kind of work because I didn't really know how I was going to frame everything, especially with all the architecture in New York being so drastically different, and then a lot of the architecture in New York being very similar. Um, so I found out fairly quickly that being 5'2 is not a benefit for the <laughs> series, and Definitely uh, started bringing my uh, six-foot step stool ladder with me everywhere, uh, which attracted a lot of concern from neighbors of the subjects that I was shooting, and uh, policemen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was the whole um, direction I went in with it. It, it was very organic and fun to kind of stumble upon because there were some days where I came away from the photos and were like, I don't know, I feel like I could have done this a little bit better, but then found a lot of uniqueness in each set of photos, even though I thought they were a little too samey. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of trial and error, but I came about the structure. I feel like I come about the structure in it in a very different way each day that I go to shoot. So, I don't really know people will just kind of send me their address I don't like Google map it and look at the building before I head over I just kind of head over and hate to say it but I wing it (laughs) (laughs) I I just try to make it work Um, everyone kind of works under the same guidelines that I provide them when they inquire about it and yeah if if there is an obstruction like a, a screen in the window we work around it or if they're on the 11th floor I'll use my drone so, yeah, there's a, there's definitely a lot of roadblocks with this type of photo series, but it's been really fun trying to combat them and work around them.
0: Yeah, one of the big things I wanted to ask you about in regards to this project is you're originally from Florida. I mentioned before how you're driving up from Florida back here to New York, and it's kind of wild to me that you were able to take this project that you birthed here in New York and take it to, to another state and pretty much you know utilize your perspective and it's quite a big deal considering it's your home state I mean do you, what was it like to see your home state through the perspective of this project
1: well I thought it was I thought it was super important well let me rephrase that I basically it was a last minute decision to head down to Florida um, just to make sure that like my family was okay and we had been quarantined long enough that it was okay for us to head down. And, and I thought it was important to be with them through this, especially not knowing how it was going to transpire or um, evolve in the coming months. And that was just about at the near beginning of the project, but I'd gotten at least 30 subjects in New York and I was still getting more inquiries every day. And it was, it was a big, um, It was difficult to walk away from New York uh, and the project living in New York, but when I thought about it, New York was already deemed the epicenter of the coronavirus from from the get-go nearly. And There were a lot of stories and a lot of coverage about coronavirus in New York, especially through a creative lens. And even though I felt that there was more of a story to be told with the project in New York, I thought it could be a perfect opportunity to see how other states are handling it as well, especially when their counts for the virus in in their states were very low. So to be able to have brought it down to Florida where I... I grew up and and am super familiar. I'm like I know Florida like the back of my hand the same way I know New York and still having friends and a lot of my family down there. It was it was it was really eye-opening to see how people were handling it down there, but more so how people were kind of ignoring it down there as well. And and Becoming kind of lax about it from the beginning, which I, I'm assuming is why they're in kind of the hole they're in right now. But um, yeah, with them, with everyone in Florida kind of taking it a bit easier than in New York, it made me a bit wary uh, to continue the project down there, even though I did. Um, I thought it was still important to, to showcase that despite people still being on beaches and going to bars, there were still many people taking it seriously and self-isolating and quarantining and especially because the population in South Florida is predominantly elderly people. Um, so I thought, yeah, it was, it was super important to bring it down there and to kind of open up people's eyes to see that, you know, this is happening elsewhere and, despite what you might be seeing on the television or on the internet, there are people that are taking it
0: very seriously
1: and looking to to flatten the curve.
0: Yeah, I mean, it speaks to what you were talking about before, about, you know, photojournalism and utilizing that as, like, the guiding principle with all this. Because, I mean, it's really brave, man, when you think about it. It's one thing to photograph around your city and during a pandemic, but to kind of have that... To not only have the idea to go to another state, but to actually execute it, to actually, you know, utilize the logistics and actually want to do it. I mean, something that I think a lot of people don't realize when it comes to creative pursuits, it's one thing to have a creative idea and be wrapped up in it and to be very enthralled and excited by it. But it's another thing to fall asleep and to still feel enthralled by it by the next day and to actually make it grow. That's really hard to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, being completely transparent, there were a lot of days where I felt like I don't I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I feel like I'm putting myself at risk. I'm putting my family at risk. I don't know what this is going to be. You know, there, There's still so many unanswered questions, but then I would still push myself to do it, and the end result was so much of a better feeling than, you know what I mean? It... it it took me to such a different place mentally than I was when I was telling myself, ah, you know, you could push this off another day. You might be risking it." And if anything, it pushed me to be more, uh, take more precaution um, when I am out shooting. When I was in Florida, I, if I'm being completely honest, I felt more unsafe in Florida than I did in New York. <laughs> um, and you know doing the mask and, like, covering my body, covering my head, covering my eyes, making sure that I'm fully covered on these shoots is a lot more difficult in 92% humidity. So, yeah.
0: How would you explore that with me a bit? How would you describe that feeling that you were talking about? Like, that feeling that would keep you going?
1: I think it was... It was a bit... Um, a feeling that kept me going with the project was just the I felt human it made me feel human again when I would leave a shoot just you know because as you know when I came and did your portraits we chatted a little bit I took the photos we chatted a little bit more and then I was on my way and I always I always held on to the memory of how I felt leaving the shoot to keep me going And I just always felt like the conversations were almost more important than the photos to me. Um, Just being able to check in on people that I love and people that are close to me. And then again, complete strangers who you don't even know if they have people checking in on them or, you know, Zoom can only do so much for someone's soul. And you really do need to like see someone and have a conversation to feel, to feel a part of the world still. And I know that a lot of people don't feel that way anymore and don't know when they will again. And, um, yeah, just knowing that I could make a difference in someone's day just by showing up and taking a few photos and having a, a, a conversation with them to make them feel better even. just that That's definitely what kept me going.
0: Man, honestly, as someone who was part of this project, I could completely attest to what you're talking about. And yeah. I honestly felt that way. And honestly... I don't know how many people have told you this, but what 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 my big takeaway with the project has been and what i really enjoyed about it is, you know, it's so it's such a human thing to be going through something and think that you're going through it by yourself and that other people can't fathom what you're dealing with. And what's wild is you could be seeing, you know, people going through similar experiences on the news and, you know, like And it's all kind of relative, but you still find yourself, you know, thinking I'm going through this. No one can understand what I'm going through. What I love so much about your photos and what's been really fascinating is that I think because I know you and know that you're a person who is, you know, taking these photos, like you're a person that's like, you know, physically doing this and you're utilizing your eye. I think there's something with that that's brought me closer to just looking at the photos. And... Also, if the way you go about taking them, like the art in them, it's, I see the humanity in them and it's actually made going through this whole COVID thing a little bit easier. Like I look at the photos and it's not, you know, one of the big, this is kind of all relative uh, part of this, but you and me have in the past, have always talked about how social media sucks and how social media uh, devalues work and how it can make uh, moments feel way too fleeting than they should. I love the fact that you've made these photos where I'll look at them for longer than just 10 seconds. And I think a lot of people will also feel that way. Thank you so much. I mean, you're like, again, yeah, we
1: have spoken about the impact of social media in our industry, but when social media is literally all we have right now, I figured, okay, this is the time to kind of not reinvent the wheel, but utilize the wheel a bit differently and for myself at least or my work and I just it it wasn't it brought me closer to my craft in a way I there was a long time in my career where I felt like oh I need to be working with these types of artists to get this kind of growth to get this kind of reach of my work and then I can build off that and do a different type of photography or do something with directing and 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 I, I kind of lost the plot a little bit. Like, the way we have to hustle because of the oversaturation of our market is like no other. Like, truly, photographers are their line of work, the competition in our line of work is just unbelievable. And I, this helped me remove the competition out of it because I'm, there's no competing for anything right now, there's no bidding for jobs. And if there's no bidding for jobs, then what am I doing? I I'm not creating anymore. No, I, I can't not create anymore. And this project it humbled me in a really big way and put a lot of things into perspective for me to be able to see that I'm not the only one going through this. It was it was really like self healing in a big way because um, there's I mean there's still so many days where you know, I question if I'm ever going to be able to shoot another gig again, or if I'm ever going to be able to shoot with another artist again. It, that's, it's not as important as I needed to make it in the beginning. And being able to work with, being able to photograph people that are suffering through the same kind of anxiety and thoughts that I'm going through brought me closer to not only people that are in my photos, but it brought me closer to myself.
0: I can completely attest to what you're talking about. Like, I feel the exact same way. And having this, even though, like, you know, COVID and lockdown, there have been loads of difficult times. Having the ability to, you know, step away from the hustle of everything, it's just really put things in perspective in such an important way. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think the pandemic, I'm hoping the pandemic is just some godly force telling the world that we all need to slow down Um, because I definitely I definitely needed to slow down I needed to slow down in my life and and take a breath and this has brought me to do that in a big way
0: what's been really cool is how come to my window has now become a truly global project which people can contribute to Um, some people listening might not be aware of how in the arts world there's a constant inner battle between doing solo projects versus collaborating with others. I'd really love to hear about your thought process behind collaborating with people on this, because, I mean, it's a project that's so personal in a lot of ways, and I feel like that wasn't the most obvious choice for you to make.
1: Yeah, I mean, with the project, I I think from the beginning, I, I always knew I wanted it to be a collaborative piece. And especially when you're covering something like a global pandemic, you know, the only city that I was capturing isn't the only place experiencing it. And the way that the project gave me kind of like a new breath in my creativity and in my work, I've seen a lot of fellow photographers on the Internet kind of airing out the same grievances that I was having internally about worrying about not being able to work and not really having any creative drive to, to make anything of their own. And I was also seeing a lot of similar projects to mine kind of uh, coming into the world as, as I started working on Come to My Window. And I thought, why wouldn't I want to include the rest of the world in on this? Like, there's so many stories to tell globally that like, You know, New York shouldn't only be the focal point here.
0: Yeah, and
1: um, it's evolved so so much since then. We have we've had over twenty contributors uh, globally, and in places that I didn't even expect to to reach out. We have photographers from Portugal and South Africa and London, and then we have a a bunch here in the states. And it's really evolved, and the the feedback from everyone who's contributed has been so positive and wonderful and it feels like I kind of made a new group of friends through it it's really nice
0: yeah I mean earlier we were talking about that aspect of shared experiences and the importance of being reminded that other people are going through the same things as us did it surprise you that other people even wanted to contribute to it and actually carry that out because you know we we're also talking before about how it's quite a brave thing to do to even want to do this. Like that's pretty wild.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I expanded the project and had it become a global initiative, I absolutely stressed to anyone that was interested in contributing, like, listen, please do not put yourself out on a limb here to make sure you get the work. Like this is like, Contribute as you feel, contribute as you want, like you could set up the shoots the way I'm setting up the shoots where you're doing it every day and like only a few people a day to keep yourself safe, but by no means like put yourself in any danger for this. Um, At the same time, there's a lot of other countries that had much harsher restrictions than we did ever. Um, And with my photographer in London who was contributing Oliver, he Oliver health and he's absolutely incredible. He um, he was having policemen stop him um when he was taking his camera out to go shoot because they were only given like an hour to go and exercise a day outside and he was using that time to go and take the portraits. So it was there's definitely conflict when um when I decided to involve people but overall it was a very positive experience for
0: everyone yeah that's really lovely to hear and yeah i have a good amount of friends you know this i have a good amount of friends over in the uk and in ireland and it's been wild the last couple weeks uh catching up with them on like you know texting and dms and just like hearing about like how they can only go out for like an hour or so like just you kind of wish new york for as much as there's been precautions, like there were like rules like that set in place,
1: yeah, I mean, they've definitely gone leaps and bounds in in flattening their curve over there, and it's it's definitely because rules had to be enforced, but I don't know I feel like we're a much bigger beast to tame, so yeah. it could be
0: tough. No, it's very true. um you know it's impossible to really know how this COVID situation will change how we approach photography. And I imagine even for you with working on a project throughout this, it's still uncertain how things are going to be after. Um, do you anticipate your experience with this project will influence your work going forward? Like, do you imagine that'll be the case?
1: Um, yeah, I, I definitely think it'll influence uh, my work outside of this project for sure. Just in the, in the sense of, how I've kind of learned to direct people that aren't necessarily comfortable being in front of cameras uh, on the regular, you know, every, every artist that I've worked with, that's kind of like their day in, day out, they know what they're doing and they know their angles and everything. But with a photo, with a project that's more photojournalistic or has a photojournalistic approach, there's not much direction that you need to give your subjects, but in the same breath, you kind of take on a new learning of directing your subjects through not having to direct them so much as well, if that makes any sense at all whatsoever. But um, I definitely think this project has shaped me in a different way as a director more than a photographer. So I'm looking forward to incorporating that into my work whenever I get back to regular life.
0: (laughs) No, I hear that. Um, I want to take the talk a little bit outside of the uh, specific come to my window and ask about like some other stuff. Um, Something that I really love that I got to see recently was you created some art in the form of single artwork for the duo Gracie and Rachel. Yes. Yeah. Love
1: them.
0: Uh, Oh, God. And there's one specific image that stuck out to me a lot that I just need to ask you about. It's this image of Gracie holding a shard and within it is Rachel's face. And yes. it feels seamless, sleek and captivating. And I really need to know what it was like for you to do this shoot. Like that's really something special.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I have to first say that they're just like the most incredible women to work with, like genuinely as artists, as friends, like they are just impeccable humans. And the way that they work together in their music and in their personal lives is just like, I can't even put it into words. They have such an understanding of each other. That's like so innate. It's like, you'd think they were sisters and they're not. They're just, they're one in the same being. And to be able to photograph that, I mean, I think this is like my third or fourth time photographing with them um, for like single artwork and stuff. But every time there's like a different, growth about them that really comes out through the image and this one like the the mirror image was just like probably one of my favorite images i've ever taken and they they definitely know what they're looking for creatively and visually and have a really great way of articulating that to photographers and other creatives and the way that they communicated to me how they wanted the single artwork to to be shown is they, they're always expressing this kind of duality about them um, in their music and the instruments they play and like their parts in, in their band. And they brought along these like crazy props because they always do, and they're like amazing in that sense. They they really pull the weight for me <laughs> when I'm working with them. Um, I have to give them credit where it's due. Um, and they showed up with these mirrors and. We just we were riffing and, and it took a bit to get the shot right because it's very difficult with like strobe lighting to get the lighting to bounce off both, both subjects without creating a glare in the mirror. And yeah, I mean, it, it, took, it took a bit, but when we got the shot, it was, it was so worth it.
0: It looks like a tricky shot. Like I love images where I look at them and in my head I just go like, I don't know how I would even approach doing this.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a lot of messing around and breaking glass and trying to figure out which piece would fit the scene the best and also without slicing their hands. because <laughs> the, the glass was uh, jagged and sharp and everything. And, yeah, I mean, that was my last shoot before the pandemic. And, oh, my gosh, I'm, it was like, it felt like such a breath of fresh air when I did it because I knew that I wasn't going to be shooting for a while. Well, I mean, I wasn't going to be shooting in studio for a while. And yeah, it was such an amazing experience. And like one of my favorite photos I've ever taken for sure.
0: Man, it's, it's a beautiful shot. And you know, hearing you say that just now reminded me, um, uh, I, like the, the night of us deciding we're going to go on lockdown, I still remember it quite viscerally because I was supposed to shoot a show that night. It was on March 13th. And the show still went ahead. And it's so wild to think that in regards to just this whole COVID thing, like how at the start of it, we all kind of thought it's something that's going to pass. And then as the days went on, it's just been, it was a thing like, oh, wait, actually, no. Like, this is something to take very seriously.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It got real, real fast.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Something we haven't had a chance to talk about yet, which is really wild to me. It's one of the big things I knew I had to ask you about. Is I felt so proud seeing you tour with Louis Capaldi last year. <laughs> uh, oh
1: gosh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I want to hear about how that experience was like for you because, I mean, obviously you've toured before, but getting to do it at that scale, like, I always think it's incredible when you're with a band or an artist and they're picking up steam in real time and it's such an exciting position to be in. Like, what was that like for you?
1: It was like watching a caterpillar turn into a butterfly (laughs) 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 like genuinely like he was already a really beautiful caterpillar and then he blossomed overnight into this gorgeous butterfly that america just somehow fell in love with very quickly and i mean just to be a part of that experience was a really like it was I, it was like out of body for me. I felt out of my body watching it all happen for him because it, it's like it's like something you would watch on television, really. Like just the way everything transpired and seeing all the hard work he put in and getting to document all the hard work he put in and the 5 a.m. wake-up calls for like 12-hour press days then going straight into a show. It was like I was experiencing that side-by-side with him but I was also getting to see him understanding what it was turning into and on a personal level that's like a very crazy jarring exciting but scary but also like insanely wild thing to experience secondhand Um, and then to document it it, it, that's just a whole other story I mean everyone knows he is quite possibly the funniest person to exist Um, and yeah, I mean, he's like the most down-to-earth person in this world and deserves everything he gets, and I mean, God knows he puts in all the hard work. He really does. I, I don't think I've ever met anyone that works harder than he does, and no complaints about it, truly.
0: Yeah, and, to be, and it's kind of interesting, because I've been fortunate to have shot him and to have hung out with him, and it's so funny when you have that context for a person, and then you see them... On social media and in videos and stuff, and you know, there's always like a bit of separation. But with someone like Lewis, it's like that. It's that's who he is. <laughs> like, like that's literally yeah. who he is.
1: What you see is what you get. Like, there is nothing. There's nothing that you have to dive deeper into. He is fully like face value, Lewis Capaldi. And I mean, that's it's so commendable because there's. I feel like artists kind of maybe have to feel like they need to put up a wall a little bit and they need to keep their guard up or there needs to maybe be this persona so they don't get taken advantage of by the media or whatever the case may be but with him he's very transparent and it's worked in his favor and i think his transparency and his openness maybe helped pave the way for other artists to, to show the world a bit more of themselves, to be a bit more vulnerable.
0: I massively agree with that. Very beautifully put, Asia. That was quite Thank nice. you. <laughs> well,
1: maybe if he hears that, he'll think the same.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back a little bit to come to my window because I really do feel like it's such an important project. and I keep saying that, but it's just so nice to see someone who's creative being proactive. I mean, I haven't touched my camera since March, honestly. like
1: Go pick it up.
0: Go pick it up. I just might. I just might.
1: She misses you. She (laughs)
0: told me. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It's like, at the start of all this, I found myself feeling, you know, really uninspired. Yet, seeing you out there and working smartly and safely reminded me of the importance of art in such hard times. And that's the thing that's been great with all this. It's like, you've gone and executed this project in a smart way. Like, in a safe way. Like, that's really important. Mm -hmm. you so much
1: honestly like that that means the world to me
0: yeah what I wanted to ask you was what has surprised you the most about even doing this project I mean to go about doing it I imagine there was like you know maybe some preconceived notions or ideas of what it might be and what it might feel like but what's left you the most surprised about actually going out and executing it
1: I think what's Surprised me the most is how many shoots I've picked up from people who have seen me shooting um, subjects that I've already booked. So there were there were a couple of times in New York when I was first starting the project that I was photographing subjects that I'd booked for for the day, and their neighbors would be in the windows as well, not really knowing what was going on, and kind of just like looking at me like they probably thought I was trying to photograph into their apartments or that I was like a robber or something (laughs) 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 like plotting this like extreme heist. But um, yeah, there were a lot of people that were a bit uh, hesitant to see me doing what I was doing. And then when they got to learn about it and, and see what the project was becoming, they asked to be a part of it. And then I would be doing like two subjects on one shoot and, yeah, it was great, and it also, like, opened up, uh, it made space for neighbors to interact with each other in a lot of ways, too, um, in that sense. Like, if there was, um, one shoot I'd done with, uh, a photographer named Ben, Benjamin Lieber, and he's based in Brooklyn, he's, like, dude, like, I cannot say enough about his work, He's by far one of my favorite artists, like, ever, um. And I went to photograph him, but his apartment was in the back of the building and there was no access to the back of the building where I could shoot him through the window. So he came out to his stoop and his neighbor, um, who I think he was kind of familiar with, but like didn't really know her too well. um, She was like peering out of her window to see what we were doing. And we caught wind that she was interested and she opened the window and she didn't seem too stoked about it. And then we got to talking and... She opened up a bit and then we started to learn more about her and she was ill and she was quarantining alone and she was having difficulty getting her medication and groceries and everything. And it actually opened up this conversation between Ben and his neighbor for him to help her out, which was like so beautiful. And yeah, that that was definitely probably the most surprising experience out of the whole sh- out of the whole series so far
0: that's beautiful man and I think
1: yeah
0: yeah and I think it would surprise so many people to just know but like in a place like New York like for as much as we're you know constantly bombarded with people and it's this beautiful you know amalgamation of just so many people living in one place the true story is is that you can live you're mo- you will most likely live in an apartment and not know your neighbors whatsoever
1: exactly Exactly. Like I, I've lived in almost every borough in New York and about five years. I mean, I've been in my place now for the last five years. And when I first moved in, I said to myself, I'm going to make it a point to know exactly who lives next door to me. Cause like, why wouldn't I?
0: Yeah, it's. Important. I never did
1: that in any other place. And now I know both of my neighbors and they're awesome people and like very good friends of ours. And it's a really rewarding experience and I I feel like there is so much of a story of neighbors within come to my window that still has yet to be told and I think I'm I'm gonna pursue that angle of it once arriving back in New York
0: yeah well tell me this before we go I'm curious to hear about what you'll be aiming to work on in the coming months especially considering that uh, as the summer goes on it seems like most likely this is going on into, you know, the autumn. man. I'm just curious, what does the rest of the year look like for you?
1: Oh, the re- <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what the next hour is looking like for me. Um, <laughs> I mean, the thing with the pandemic is the biggest takeaway I've, I've had from it so far was that this, this could be a gift for all of us if we see it, if we choose to see it that way. And there's many days where I don't see it as a gift and I'm very down about it and I'm very overwhelmed and anxious and sad. But most days I make it a point to try and learn as much as humanly possible about things that interest me. And I've been using the money that I've saved up to enroll in courses online to like further my education in photography and filmmaking and editing and graphic design and motion design. And I, yeah, I mean, for me, I think right now educating myself is, is what I'm going to be doing for the near future for most of the near future. Hopefully work falls into that somewhere. Um, But yeah, I, I just want to take the time that we have before we do find some kind of normalcy and return to nine to fives and, and five day work week to do things that I didn't really get the chance to do when I was so busy with work.
0: Yeah, it's so important. And like, I'm right there with you, because one of the big things I've been thinking about a lot, like for months now, and I, I think it's a, I would say it's like the kernel of an idea that I'm pretty much obsessed with is that this is such like a nerve wracking time and it, you could feel so anxious and so lost. But the reality is is that when we go back to normal everyday life whatever that you know is going to look like it's going to come fast and it's going to come hard and I in a weird perversive way I'm fascinated by the fact that we might look back on this time for the for the people of us who are fortunate not deal with health issues or any issues with our family we might look back on this time with fondness cuz when else have we ever had time to be quiet and be still? Like it's never Exactly. It's never going to happen again in a weird way.
1: Hopefully never happen again. But no, I I agree with you. This is like This is the fir- I said this to someone else. I can't remember who I said it to. But this is the first time in probably forever that we've been the most unified as a global community than we'll ever be because we're all going through the, th- the same thing.
0: Yeah, it's so true. It's like the ending of Watchmen. I won't spoil it for anyone listening. <laughs> oh, <laughs> case... I just
1: almost did, but I'm glad. I'm glad you called out that spoiler alert. I we should just have a podcast about that show.
0: Oh, I could, we, totally.
1: Yeah, I could have a dissertation written about that entire show. Oh, that, sh-
0: that show is brilliant. I recently rewatched the uh, episode six, which is the one where they oh. go back in time. Some of the best yeah. TV I've seen in my entire life.
1: Dude, the cinematography in that episode is, like, groundbreaking. Oh, Genuinely groundbreaking.
0: It's incredible. Oh,
1: God. Don't even get... I think I... Yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch it again.
0: Well, Jesus, you made me feel bad earlier with you saying how you've been spending all this time learning. I've been playing fucking Xbox, man. Well, <laughs> you know what?
1: I, <laughs> I may have hidden some details. I haven't been spending all my time learning. I definitely do- dove into uh, Animal Crossing, regrettably. uh uh-huh. um, yeah. No, I'm not doing that anymore, though. I'm not, I'm not crossing with animals anymore. I'm done with that.
0: Uh, Sarah had- it got
1: to a point where I was just like looking at the screen and I was like, how much longer am I going to just be throwing a fishing line into water in a video game to catch fish? Like Nothing is amounting <laughs> to anything. I can't keep doing
0: this. Sarah- so I abandoned it. Yes, I was just gonna say, Sarah had me watch the Twilight tri- uh, films. I was gonna say Trilogy, but there's more than three films. I've never seen them before, and she had me watch, like, all the Twilight films.
1: Oh, no. Those Do- did not age gracefully.
0: They have it, but I have to say, like, the last one? Have, have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> I had no idea it
0: was that violent. Holy shit.
1: Yeah, they got, like, their rating up, I think, toward, the, like, in the later part of the books, but, um, soundtracks were killer the soundtracks for oh. those films were ahead of their time
0: they really were asia this has been so much fun thanks for taking the time to do this man.
1: thank you always for being like such a shining light in every community you grace podcast music everything
0: oh that's the that's super sweet thank you
1: you're super sweet
0: oh i try <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking forward to people hearing this and looking into your work. Like that's always my favorite thing.
1: You're such a legend. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, anytime. Always. Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to the new exchange via Spotify, Apple podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts until next time. Thank you for listening. (music)
1: let <music>